20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm Josh Circle, joined by Ross Uglum. Jacob couldn't make it today, but we're going to hold down the ship, aren't we, Ross? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, big news. Big news night. Yeah, big news. Big news. We have a, a new offensive coordinator in town, Nathaniel Hackett. He most recently of uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was his most recent job, correct? Yeah. Yep. He was uh, deposed as the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive coordinator. Uh, they responded in kind by going one and five without him. Yep. Big deal. It probably did not uh, uh, bode well with all the injuries that they had over there. It was just a, a weird season in Jacksonville. Does he have a relationship with Matt LaFleur? I mean, what is? how do these guys know each other? Or That's do they? a great question because from a, from a straight, like, what staff have these guys been on uh, aspect? Yeah. Nothing. Makes no sense. Uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett was a college coach until 2013, spent two years with the Bills and then the Jags, and that in no way, um, you know, intersects with with anywhere that, that LaFleur has been. And these guys, you know, no matter what it is, coaching clinics, league meetings, they meet. They know, you know, yes. these guys – it's a fraternity, but as far as having actually worked together, no, because you know uh, when when Hackett was at Syracuse, that's when Lafleur was first with Washington, then with Notre Dame, and then as as Hackett progressed in his career to the Jaguars, Lafleur would have been with the Falcons, Rams, Titans, et cetera, et cetera. So okay. no, these guys have not worked together in the past, but at the same time, you know. Uh, Coaching is such a fraternity that, that they've they've met. So, uh, and you had another point with that, you know, we're just talking about how far along these guys have been, and you had a great tweet on this, and, and you've got great Packers tweets just in general. If we could, if we could pimp that for a second at Ross Uglem, U G L E M. There's no umlauts over the U. I got confused about that that earlier, but you, you set me straight on that, Ross. Uh, you got a dynamite Packers feed, and you made uh, this comment, and I'll just read your tweet. To you, if I can do that, quarterbacks who have started in a Nathaniel Hackett offense and, and get ready for this uh, night of a thousand stars: EJ Manuel, Thad Lewis, Jeff Tool, Kyle Orton, Manuel again, Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler. End of list. Now, some of that is injury driven, obviously. Blake Bortles, obviously, some performance issues over the last year. So this begs a question. This is like, you know, driving the city bus downtown for three years or four f- four years, I guess it is, and then getting behind the wheel of a Ferrari. This is going to be a big adjustment, Hackett uh, building an offense for and around Aaron Rodgers. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, it's going to be like Hackett is going to be like a movie buff who has had a, a, a 16-inch Zenith tube TV all of a sudden <laughs> sitting in front of a 70-inch 4K Sony. Like, this is going to be high def, baby. He He's not going to know what to do with himself. No, it's going to be – now, does that give you pause? Are you excited about that? 
I'm a little uneasy, but I think LaFleur and and Hackett and Rodgers are, are all going to be on the same page just in, because they have to. Rodgers finally will have uh, you know, a past-happy staff, I guess, uh, at least relatively compared to McCarthy. Like, what is the general sentiment of just, is there is there reason to be nervous? I mean, these guys, like you said, they don't know each other. And certainly neither one of them has worked with Rodgers before. How fast will it take them to get this thing going? Well, I think one thing that you're definitely going to like to see if you're a Packers fan is if you go back to when uh, Green Bay was a little bit more successful offensively, with a more limited Rodgers. Now, of course, the sling it all over offenses of 11 and 14 uh, exist. But right. if you go back and you look at, like, the Ryan Grant Rodgers offense and uh, think about some of the times that he spent in 2014 with an injury and they switched to the pistol and ran the ball with Eddie Lacy, yep. play action off of that, stormed up and down the field, you might see that in the LaFleur and hack it offense, especially because you look at run rate, and that's not an advanced statistic. You know, there's nothing fancy about that. I am just talking about the percentage of which both Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett ran the ball. It is so above and beyond, you know, what what uh, Mike McCarthy did. Now, granted, really? if you're Mike McCarthy and you have Aaron Rodgers and you're Hackett and you have Bortles, and you're LaFleur, and you have <laughs> Mariota who has nerve damage, you're going to throw it more. So if you are expecting uh, the Packers to all of a sudden adopt the 52% run rate that the Titans had last year, you're out of your mind. But if you are Aaron Jones, you are currently doing backflips because these are two successful run offense coordinators now in charge of what you're doing. And they both have, you know, different uh, expertise. It's the, the the Shanahan outside zone blocking offense is not the same as the West Coast stuff that Hackett ran. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know which one they're going to go with. Maybe it's a mix of both. But they have two different philosophies kind of coming in and teaming up to – develop what hopefully is not just a copycat offense. You want to be the offense that innovates that other teams have to copy. You don't necessarily want to be the guys, you know, getting in second and and trying to run, you know, whatever L.A. is running or uh, whatever New Orleans is running. Or You understand what I'm saying? You yes. want to be the team that innovates and becomes the standard, not the one chasing it. Absolutely. And I think there's enough brain power there to do that. I was going through your feed and you also, you had a top five. Uh, Hackett was third on your top five behind uh, Mike Kafka and then John DeFilippo. We know how uh, his season ended. Uh, Deuce Staley and Sean Ryan rounding out your top five. So you thought this was not, this is a guy you were, are happy the Packers picked up, but not necessarily ecstatic. Is that fair, Ross? I mean, it's fair. Like, I'm, I'm in general ecstatic just because the Packers have a long history of hiring guys that wouldn't even be on my list. And, <laughs> and you know, that's why I was ecstatic. LaFleur always checked in uh, for whatever reason, however it worked out, at third on my head coaching list. I think my first head coaching list was like Lincoln Riley and then JDF. And then JDF, you, you know, wasn't going to be a part of head coaching discussions. Right. And I talked myself into Josh McDaniels. 
Then it was Lincoln Riley and Josh McDaniels. Well, Lincoln Riley was never going to come coach in the NFL. So realistically, LaFleur was always my number two choice. I halfway expected the Packers to just take someone from the, you know off the list altogether. That's how they had generally done business. Right. Had Twitter been a thing back when they hired McCarthy, there's no way Mike would have been on my top five. Uh, and, and my top five might have meant a little bit less given that I was 17 years old. But <laughs> the, the main structure, the main point being that anybody that's in my top three makes me ecstatic because they're kind of thinking along the same lines I'm thinking. If you look at the guys that are above him and him, you'll notice a theme, and that is not the same offense. Different philosophies, different experiences, bringing those in towards a a collective effort for the Packers. Kafka runs the Andy Reid stuff. That's completely different from from the Shanahan stuff. Sort of the same thing with JDF. He runs the Doug Peterson stuff, which is sort of related to the Andy Reid stuff. And that is another philosophy. It's another uh, class, if you will, uh, in, in NFL offense. And so the fact that, like I said, the, well, what it looked like right away with Matt LaFleur, especially when it came out about his brother, when it came out about Mike McDaniel, I would have loved to have had Mike McDaniel here in Green Bay. But right away, it sure looked like LaFleur was going to fill his staff with like-minded people, with uh, you know guys that had run – the stuff that he had had success with in L.A., yep. uh, the, the stuff that they had had success with in Washington, and just continue to build this younger, hipper version of the Mike slash Kyle Shanahan tree. Now you look at the Hackett hire, and it, it's a completely different thing. Now it looks like instead of this evolution of the McVay-Shanahan offense, it looks like LaFleur is going to put his stamp on the Green Bay Packers and develop what he and Hackett want to be this new Green Bay offense. Is there concern because you not only have Hackett, who's bringing some of his own ideas, but then he's also retaining Mike Pettin on the defensive side of the ball, and he seems more than content, uh, at least from my first glance, to just let Pettin run the defense, and then he and Hackett are going to converge and, and work out potentially some type of offense that between LaFleur Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, somebody's going to be maybe kind of unhappy, you know, and I'm not saying there's concern about that necessarily right away, but you got a young guy with no head coaching experience. The the coaching experience, the head coaching experience was important to him enough to keep petting around. Uh, You know, I'm just concerned because how much of this do you factor into the report? For example, and this is just one thing, but this is this is prominent and it kind of summarizes everything that we've been thinking about with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers would get on the field and realize that he had to win the game by himself despite his head coach. And so when Mercedes Lewis says that Aaron Rodgers is chucking it down the field in the four-minute drill, are we going to have a situation like that where there's philosophical differences? You know, you know it's a big difference between uh, West Coast and you know and, and running something a little more vertically, but how much of a concern is that that these guys aren't going to get on the same page? It, it's always a little bit of a concern. I think you know Rogers kind of understands he do, he doesn't really have a choice. He's out of excuses uh, now. Yeah, I mean he's got to buy in or they're not going to win. And 
he he basically signed a lifetime deal with Green Bay. There's no there's no getting out of this for anybody. Right. So the idea that he's going to be stubborn and not go along with the coaching staff, I think, is incredibly unlikely. Uh, I, I just it doesn't make any sense, and I don't know why in the world they would do that. Uh, so, yeah, differing philosophies uh, as far as Hackett and Lafleur relatively young coaches with Hackett and LaFleur. But the beautiful thing is, is you got a guy who has been a multiple season offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, so he's got high level experience for however long, what I suppose we one, two, three, four, something five or six seasons. So LaFleur has one season as a, as a play caller offensively right he can not a guy that has more experience than that Lafleur has no experience as a head coach he's got Mike Patton there he can lean on a guy that has experience at that uh if he if he and I I would I know this sounds insane but I, I would keep Joe Philbin as the offensive line coach if he would take the job oh wow uh, and 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 then not only would you have a guy with experience being a head coach you can w- work with you have a guy who literally has experience being the Packers head coach. There's a lot of things around Matt LaFleur that I like because of his youth. And right. it it kind of stems some of the concerns that you would have with a young coach because he's not alone in this. There are guys who have been there that he can pretty immediately go to with questions. This is. I was trying to, to circle to this point in my last question. I, di- I didn't quite get there because there's been a lot of conversation about the Rams organization. And if you are, you know, pouring coffee for the Rams and you can get yourself an interview, and obviously Matt Lafleur with that organization before he went to Tennessee, do you feel like? Because you're you're a little closer to the rail on this than I am. A guy being that close to a for lack of a better way to put it, a progressive organization, a young guy uh, who's relating to his players and not doing some of the old school football things uh, that we might have seen 10 years ago or even five years ago. Is there a great deal of value of plucking a guy that was in that organization and bringing him to your spot? And do you think that's enough value to to give legitimacy, I guess, uh, to this uh, – fire sale of, of Rams philosophy that has the Bengals picking uh, a quarterback's coach who has no head coaching experience uh, and they're going to wait for him until the season's over. How much are you buying into uh, the what the Rams are doing as a philosophy for building a franchise? Very, very little. Uh, in fact, to be honest with you, I kind of feel like this idea that the Packers hired LaFleur because he worked with McVay is kind of lazy. I, I get that the okay. the Rams are the, the, the chic team. Their offense is beautiful. Uh, I very much enjoy watching it. But this guy was hired because of his 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 bones, his coaching bones, man. He he has been a part of some excellent, excellent offenses and what I think is maybe even more important is he's done an excellent job with quarterbacks. He got Kirk Cousins' career going and, and 
and made him, you know, the, the quarterback with the highest guarantee of all time. Right. He was able to do wonderful things with Robert Griffin III. He coached a he quarterback, coached an MVP season out of Matt Ryan, who, you know, has really never been at that level at any other point in his career. Right. Uh, he, he got a career high completion percentage out of Marcus Mariota this season. He, complete, he helped completely turn around Jared Goff's career. That's, I think, what you're what you're really looking at, and kind of, I think, even history repeating that itself is they really, I think, looked at Mike McCarthy with who can fix Brett Favre, who can turn Brett Favre around, right. and not only who can turn Brett Favre around, but who can develop the next guy, whoever the next guy is, and that's, I think, exactly where you are with with this Packers organization now is you're hiring Matt LaFleur because you believe that he can and and trust me Aaron Rodgers needs way less fixing than Favre did go back and look at the last three seasons before they hired McCarthy <laughs> they just need a couple of little tweaks with with Favre this or with Rodgers this is not a reconstruct so what I'm saying is they need a, a, a person to maximize the next five six years out of Aaron Rodgers and I think it will be five, six years. It's, it's, it's different now than it was before because of the rule changes. Truly elite quarterbacks can play until they're 40, yeah. can play until they're 41. Anybody that thinks Rodgers is going to hang it up at 38 is nuts. It's not happening. So you're hiring a head coach. And I think generally head coaches have 10, maybe 12 years before they should go. You're hiring a head coach with the intention of success. And I've had this debate with a couple of other People, you know, the average coaching lifespan and and why not hire a coach like Bruce Arians? I, I was very against that. I think, you know, that 60 years, the same thing with Vic Fangio. When you're 60, I'm not interested anymore because I'm hiring with the idea that I'm going to succeed with this hire. And I don't want you to be done with your job when you're 70. That makes absolutely no sense. Right. Uh, if, if Matt LaFleur coaches a dozen years with the Packers, he'll be 51 at the end of that. And his message will probably have gone stale. Uh, there's really only one coach, I think, that has has made something work for that long, and, that, and that's Belichick, and that's why he's the greatest of all time. You don't see coaches have sustained success past a dozen years. It just doesn't happen. So if you're looking at LaFleur, you want six good years with Rodgers, maybe five, and then yep. you want six good years with the, with the next guy. And – and that, I think, more than the fact that he coordinated Sean McVay's offense for one year is why they hired him, because they truly believe that his philosophies and his ability to maximize quarterback play is the answer to another Lombardi trophy with Rodgers and a real chance at maybe a Lombardi trophy with with the next guy, because until something changes with the CBA – the five years that you have, the four years if, you, if he's not a first-round pick, right. but the five years that you have with your quarterback when he's on a rookie deal are a tremendous, tremendous window for winning a Super Bowl. And we've seen that over and over again these last couple of years. Right, that's good stuff. Uh, we are going to kick off a podcast-wide position by position, position by position even, uh, reviewing the season, and we're starting that today. We're gonna kind of it got kind of bumped because we wanted to to break down Hackett, and you've done an awesome job of that, Ross. 
But uh, we have the quarterbacks today, and that's sort of easy pickings for us because we're really just breaking down one guy, Aaron Rodgers, who I thought uh, certainly had uh, not his best season, uh, not his worst. Obviously, the turmoil with the head coaching situation uh, played a role. Uh, the absence of Jordy Nelson and, and getting some new guys broken in. Uh, Jimmy Graham not really not uh, making the contribution that I think Brian Gutekunst thought he was going to make. Uh, how would you evaluate, you know, if you were in an elevator talking to somebody, how would you evaluate the season that Aaron Rodgers had? Uh, probably better than you thought. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people saying that he was the problem or, you know, he, he played like a guy who was, did not believe in, in the mission anymore. Uh, he, he played like a guy that did not believe in his head coach. But at the same time, you know, he still had an respectable yards per attempt. He still had an unbelievable touchdown interception ratio. Yes. He was still an above average quarterback. He was actually a markedly above average quarterback. He just didn't play up to his standards. Uh, it didn't go his way in a couple of clutch moments. And, and really uh, he didn't do his head coach any favors, but I don't think he wanted to anymore. And, and that, right. Uh, it's kind of an unfortunate reality. Yeah, there was there was feeling that, uh, you know, for me personally, having sat through an entire offseason, hearing that Aaron Rodgers is bailing out Mike McCarthy again and again, and then to have to come back into the season, and then your knee gets blasted out by the Bears, and then you've got to come back out and save the team Again, and I just wonder, like, you know, surely you've had a job, Ross, where, like, you've got other people slacking around around you, and, like, you've had to do up all the work. Uh, maybe it's been the other way. Maybe you were the one slacking off. But, like, that just that – that dynamic just can't last forever. And I felt like we saw that relationship just kind of collapse, you know, with the body language and, you know, just him trying to chuck it down the field all the time. It was – Really, it was like watching an office drama on the on a hundred yards of grass is what I felt like it looked like to me. Yeah, and the whole season kind of got to be that way, uh, right or wrong. Uh, it just was a situation that became untenable, and that's how you you got where we are today, which is Matt Lafleur. And uh, like I mentioned, you've got a guy in Mike McCarthy who was as he put it himself, a highly successful football coach. People, <laughs> people will laugh at that. That's no joke. I mean. No, it's true. Right. But it was no longer a acceptable situation in Green Bay. It was not going to work moving forward. Let's wander down the depth chart here a little bit and talk about Deshaun Kaiser, who was a guy I was really high on. Uh, at the beginning of the season, now he didn't got not see the field very much. Uh, I thought he was impressive in spots, not so much in others. Is Deshaun Kaiser somebody you want to see on the roster in 2019, Ross? I think you have to, just because he traded a borderline Pro Bowl level free safety for him. Um, 
kind of wish McCarthy would have been gone instead of Demarius Randall, but uh, <laughs> hindsight is hindsight is twenty twenty. There, uh, what are you gonna do? You know, uh, right? You, you you traded an asset for this guy. There was rumors that after the which would have just set the Twitter world on fire, but there was rumors flying around that after Green Bay traded out of the first round for that 33rd pick with which they eventually selected Kevin King, that they, their target was Deshaun Kaiser. And this staff has been linked to Kaiser for a long time. Uh, I, there are people in draft eval that I respect that had him going in to that draft as QB1. I've never been a Kaiser guy. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really – one of the things that I'm borderline obsessive over is short area and intermediate accuracy, and he really struggles in those two ways. Uh, arm talent, probably top 30 or 20% in the entire league, and, and I'm not kidding when I say that. He makes throws that just make you go, wow. Yeah. And he does it quite a bit. But then he makes throws – that really, really concern you. And and I don't know as though the wow to the concern you ratio is fixable. We'll find out. Uh, be happy to get a guy like LaFleur in there. Jared Goff, you know, was not great. And now he is. Right. Uh, and that's the thing. He has the tools. I think, you know, he's got the, yeah. the body. He's got all the, the measurables that, uh, you know, the draft folks drool over. In, in general, though, what I will say is historically, as I have studied it, accuracy is just not something that fixes itself. Right. I, I would be very happy to be wrong, certainly. But I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you have any thoughts on Tim Boyle? Because I do not. <laughs> you know, Andy loves him, our uh, proprietor here. at yeah. <laughs> And one thing I love about him is, is, is he's got a live arm, a fearless, likes to, likes to move, you know, work the ball down the field. Sure. Uh, but that fearlessness shows in his stats from WKU. And in, in his film from the preseason, he didn't afraid to, you know, go down the f- field and do anything. But if you are looking for a guy with the raw tools, Tim Boyle has those raw tools. And, and again, um, you know, not somebody that I'm crazy about moving forward. Uh, but, you know, in a league where half the QB twos are kind of worthless, Boyle's yep. a heck of a QB three. And, I, you know, it isn't going to bother me at all to see him replaced this offseason, maybe even replaced with a draft pick. I think it would be, uh, you know, not not the worst thing in the world that the Packers uh, used an actual draft choice on a quarterback this season. But they might view it in the front office as though they did use a draft choice when they acquired Kaiser. Kaiser. And, and, and that's a... Young guy just going into his third year in the league, so that could absolutely be the way they view it. Uh, but but QB three, you know, is if we're being realistic, QB three is unimportant because if your third QB is in the game, your season's over. 
Right. Fair enough. Ross, uh, really enjoyed it tonight. It's nice speaking to you, and, and you got great stuff. And uh, if you're listening, follow him on Twitter if you're not already at Ross Uglem, U G L E M. Ross, good time tonight. Thanks so much for uh, spending time. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. All right, we will have a new Pack a Day podcast for you tomorrow. And I think that's going to be me, Trevor Jossert, and Steve Perhatch. Be sure to tune in for that. Uh, until then, I will see you on the internet. For Ross Uglum, I'm Josh Zirkle. Go Pack Go! Go!